so often we come into a context and we think a church service should be run in a certain way. But I thought this is to introduce my friend Benny. Say, how's it, Benny? Hello, Benny. <laughs> I come a bit closer to you. So, um, Benny and I have the joy with Bob and John of leading this congregation. Benny actually planted this congregation from Mossel Bay, Josh Jen. How many years ago? Yeah, oh, you're going to speak in the mic, eh? Sorry. Yeah, five years ago. Five years ago. Mm. And just on that note, five years ago, they planted Josh Jen, Mos- George, out of Mossel Bay. But 23 years ago, as of yesterday, Josh Jen started. How's that? 23 years ago, eh? Sure. And so just in prepping this for this morning, I just felt to, to share along something that God had laid on my heart. And actually something my brother shared last week in Weinberg. I was with him in, in the Weinberg congregation, got the opportunity to preach in Musenberg last week, Sunday night. And, and I must say it was a joy to be in Cape Town. I, we were there, um, just being with the elders and just fresh impartation, melting under the heat of the Wellington sun. Um, now, it wasn't that bad in Wellington. It was actually quite hectic in Cape Town. But um, just, you know, God just, obviously, there's a, re, a refiring, a recalibrating, and just a, a time where we go, man, God, this is what you, you, you've called of us. And so, through that time, I, I just had this thing on my heart about what God knitting into us. So, Benny. Chad. <laughs> um, one of the things I, I felt, and I, and I wanted maybe if you could just share, because I remember I was chatting to you the other day, I felt that thing about us being knitted into the, the family of God, but that scripture that came to mind, um, it's, I think it's, uh, which is the, Peter or Ephesians, which one is the, well, should we stick up Peter first? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, why don't you read that for us, Benny, and then out of that, I mean, okay. what is it God was showing you in that moment? So he says, So put away malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn infants who long for the pure spirit, uh, spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation. If indeed you have tasted the Lord is good as you come to him, a living stone rejected by man, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Is that? I think let's stop there. Yeah, so, yeah. so what I wanted to do is that that scripture's been on my heart about being a living stone. And so, what I wanted to do, I don't know if you want to, if, it, if you're going to use it a bit more later, you can interrupt me. Yeah, 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 yeah. But okay. I wanted you, Benny, to lay a foundation okay. for us in terms of what does it what does it mean. Mm. And so, 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 and then, and then, yeah, and then we can chat about it. And even for us as a congregation, just to, to meditate on that, of being a, a living stone. So, so maybe go for it, Benny. Okay. So God's, God's called the church to be His redemptive plan, and um, I think you know a lot of people ask what is church, and and I think that's the wrong question to ask. It's actually who is the church, and uh, it's those who have been redeemed by God for the purposes of God here on earth. And uh, just part of that is, um, you see, we no longer ourselves. We no longer live for ourselves. We actually live for a greater purpose in God. And uh, I just, as I've come to realize, you know, one of the challenges that, that we've come to, George, is not that, that people think they're unchurched. In fact, okay, there's always that place where we've got to be seeking and saving the lost, those who have never met Jesus. But actually, I think that there's a wrong perception that people have 
of what church is. And uh, I, I go to church, um, or I, I am the church. And uh, especially during COVID, I think there's been a mis- Percep- you know, bad perceptions of church because I can have church at home. I can, I can live for myself. I can just watch a good preach. Um, I can listen to great worship. I can, um, what's the word? I, I can log in, <laughs> and you know, and, and just watch and have a Zoom meeting with guys. But you know what? The Bible doesn't say that. You know, through Jesus, you know, it's. it's it's an us meeting together. There's the gathering of the saints and the emphasis on so that. So online is not that. No, no. Online can't be that. The Bible doesn't say if two or three are logged in on my name, there I am in the midst of them. But surely we're still gathering in the metaverse, Benny. <laughs> I mean, have you seen it? Come on. Yeah. I mean, we can put in our VR goggles and we can uh, choose an avatar. We can choose what we're going to wear. We can choose what the past is going to wear. And we can choose the lighting, the and, type of worship. And we can set the conviction level. <laughs> Very true. Do you want to be convicted today or don't you? So, yeah. But I love this scripture because it says we are being built up in a spiritual house. And that means there's something of a collectiveness together. That, that, that's what church is. The word ecclesia is the gathering together. So the point I want to make, Chad, is that uh, there's a wrong perception that I am the church. That is slightly true. You are called out of darkness, the word says, and into a marvelous light. But you are, what you're called out of is important, but what you're called into is just as important, if not more important. And so God puts the lonely into family. He puts us into a body. In fact, the, all the metaphors that I know of church is all corporate. It's all collectiveness. If you think of an army, that's a church. That's collective. You think of a household, that's collective. If you think of the body, uh, where Paul talks about different body parts, but there's one body, uh, you might be the hand, the eye. That's a collectiveness. And this is the key I want to share, Chad, is that there's the manner, the scripture says in Ephesians 3.10, it's the manifold wisdom of God made known through the church. So aunt isn't meeting in my home with my neighbor church? So, so let's answer that question. So if you take Ephesians 3.10, and it says the manifold wisdom. When you talk about a manifold, do you see something as singular? When, when I talk about a car's manifold, who's a mechanic here? Anybody? Anybody who knows need, a little need, bit about... We need to pray for a mechanic. I, I know less about cars. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know something more. <laughs> but when I talk... When He's I good talk at breaking of, down. <laughs> so when I talk about the manifold... A manifold's made of a engine. You, you take the, the, the what's it, the, the head, you've got the gasket underneath, you've got the pistons inside, you've got the spark plugs. All of that makes up the manifold of the engine. Okay, but, but, but it's not singular. So I am a part of it. And, and so when it says the manifold wisdom of God, it means it's collective. It's a whole group of things. I've got to realize that that is how God makes known to principalities and powers. It's through a manifold wisdom of God made known through you guys. So I've got to come to the realization that I don't carry everything in myself. Which is humbling, but true. Bummer. <laughs> I thought I did. No, it's true. It's, it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do in this is make, make us think of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm bringing interjections mm. just because I want to spur us to thought as well. Um, you know what it reminds me of, and I love how throughout Scripture, and even from the Old Testament, you know, the Old Testament is always 
it's a shadow of things to come. And, and if we look in the Old Testament, we saw how um, there, there was the tabernacle, mm. which, was, which housed the presence of God. Um, for those of you who maybe not church, tabernacle was just, it's just another name for a very expensive tent. <laughs> All right, <laughs> just a very expensive tent. But it was where it housed the presence of God. And so what we see through Scripture is this transition from a tent to an actual building. David, sorry, Solomon gets to build the temple. And, he, and, and that, because all he wants to do is, is, is build this place for, for the presence of God. Yes. And, it's, and it's gold and it's beautiful. I mean, literally, if you look at Scripture, even when they, when, when they, when they built the tabernacle, the guys come and gave, uh, they, they brought gifts. Yes. And, and, and actually, the Scripture says they gave so much that, that they would that be like, okay, you've given enough now, stop giving. They gave so much over and abundantly, and then to build the temple, they built that. So here you have a tent to a building, which is supposedly to house the presence of God. And then in the New Testament, we see this transition happening of man, our bodies becoming the temple of Jesus, and the, where we can house the presence of God, and then also how the church, not the bricks and mortar, but the people... So I think, too, like you, you, you raised the important key is that the Bible says here that we are living stones rejected by man but being chosen by God. And, you know, the amazing thing is you, you realize, like I said before, it's the collectiveness that we are made known. So think of it. You're walking down the street and you see a stone. You don't think anything of it. Uh, it's, what, what makes this thing so unique is that God places it and places other stones with it as he begins to build his house. Then it gets the appearance of his glory. And, uh, and so we're not wowed by stones, but we are wowed by the buildings that God creates spiritually. In fact, you're talking about church, how it started from a tabernacle. You know, actually, there's one before that, believe it or not. If you go to Genesis, I think it's 28. So Jacob goes, uh, and he's going to this place called Heron. He's on his way. He's been blessed by his father. He's on his way, and he... And he and he stops the night at this place, and uh, he puts his stone on his head. And he, I don't know how anybody sleeps with a stone on their head. But anyway, he puts, he puts the stone out, and he uses it as a pillow, and he goes to sleep, and, and he has this dream of these angels ascending and descending, and God is on the top of this ladder. And uh, Jacob, uh, he wakes up, and he goes, wow, God was in this place. And it says a fear came upon him. And, he, and what he does is, out of this, he says, I've got I to gotta make a important because God was here. He, he was with us. So what he does is there was a fear that came upon him and he says, um, and, 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 and uh, what was it? It was, it was like an amazement of this being the presence. And he says, this was God's house. And what he does is he takes that stone that he was lying in, he wrecks it and he, he anoints it with oil but, and he makes an altar and he calls this the house of God. And to me, the importance of it, it's, it's kind of like, you know what brings to remembrance is, you know, because it says there was a fear that came upon him, but he, he found that it was so awesome being here. So there was both a, a fear and yet an awesomeness because the presence of God was here. And he anoints a stone. And I believe he did a prophetic picture of being a stone because they were going to become, as Peter says, we become living stones erected. For God's house. And so he, he paints a beautiful picture. But I love the picture too because it says a fear came upon him, but it was awesome. And it kind of reminds me of Acts. It says that fear came upon them. You know, no one dared join the church, but then 
people were being added, like God was adding to it anyway. It would sound like an oxymoron, but, it, but it's actually not. God is doing something, but those who are serious for Jesus, those, like Chad was saying, who are willing to give up everything because this, you can die in this church. If you think of Acts, that, you know, you don't just join these guys, but there's a seriousness God wants to build with people that want to be used by him, people willing to surrender and to be that living stone. You know, as well, when I, when I think about a living stone, I mean, you know, my mind's quite graphic. You can imagine this little stone smiling and waving. <laughs> but I, you know, the thing I love about it, he says living stone. He doesn't say living bricks as well. And I think, you know, we know, I mean, the number of guys in our congregation are builders or developers and that, and I mean, bricks are all uniform and alike, and they're molded, and, there's, and they fit together, and they lock in together. But he calls us living stones. And um, I was reminded, um, I don't know, has anyone done stonemasonry? Yeah, anyone been a stonemason at any point? But I remember a friend of mine was building a house. Um, he's got a farm just over the mountain here, and he was building this house. And he, and he, and he didn't want to buy bricks, so he was going to use stone to build this house. And, um, and so he, started, he, he, he employed some stonemasons to come and build this house. I mean, so they have to go into the mountains and... and literally mine the stones out the mountain, like the big chunks of rock, they, they, they had picks and uh, kufuts, you know, you know what a kufut is, eh? It's a long steel pole that you ram into the ground and it just breaks the rock. And so they would take these, um, these tools and implements, go into the mountain and, and almost quarry them out of the earth. And then they'd have to put them on the trailer and wheel them down to the site. So many, many, many trips to get these stones down. But then the mason's job was to take each stone and see how it would fit into place. And so he'd have to sit there with a, a smaller hammer, and he would chip away at, at the stone to make it fit in. Because these, these stones, these rocks weren't uniform. And, and I love that picture because it's, it just speaks of how, in a sense, if he's speaking about us being a living stone, that, that we're all different uh, we're, we're all different shapes and sizes, but we need to be chiseled sometimes to fit in. I was like, oh. And sometimes that's a little bit painful, obviously, you know, I'm sure it is to be chiseled and chipped away. But, you know, the interesting thing, though, now getting also back to this scripture, what I see talks about Jesus being the cornerstone. And again, another, so, so in building and, and engineering, there, there, there are two terms. And actually, uh, there was a gentleman who was sharing with me that, in one of the translations, they, they, they talk about Jesus being the, um, the keystone. The keystone. And so if you build an arch, and the way you build an arch, you pack these rocks together. And when you get to the top, the final stone is the keystone, and that holds everything together in place. And then the cornerstone talks about something that is true and perfect, and in order for a house to be 90 degrees, I mean, if anyone's built a house, I remember building a house a couple of years ago in Cape Town, and we had uh, builders and everything. And the most important part of, of the operation of building that house was getting the, the house square. And it all depended on that first brick. Okay, I mean, it was a brick, but I mean, in, in, in older times when they didn't have bricks, it all depended on that first rock, the cornerstone, because everything from there and would, would be true. Everything from that point would be true. And, and so Jesus is the cornerstone, and, and, yeah. and he is the keystone. And, and so he holds it all together. But he also is the one stone that we need to align ourselves to 
in order for his house to be built. That's very good. So, so when you say each stone has been carved, it's been shaped, and, and then put into the building, I think, too, we, we often look at church, and we got to recognize there's a uniqueness to you. And I love the scripture where it talks about, it says, uh, but to each one of us, it's a uh, grace that is given. That's from Ephesians 4, sorry, from verse 7. Have you got that? I didn't, I didn't give it to her, so that's yeah, this is Ephesians 4. But I love this picture. It says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So grace is given to Pierre, and it's different to the grace that he's given to Quinton. And, uh, and the gift that God gives them is different. And th that explains the uniqueness. And I love this picture because this is what Jesus said to his disciples. I'm going away, right? But don't worry, I'm not leaving you as orphans because I'm going to put a family here. And he says, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. Okay, And I think this is the uniqueness of this. And so when Jesus ascended, it says that he portioned of himself gifts to man. Okay? And so you got a gift, you got a gift, you got, you know, it's almost like Oprah. You know, everybody gets a gift, you know, and uh, there is no exceptions. <laughs> Look under your chin. <laughs> Look within. It's the Holy Spirit there. <laughs> so Jesus didn't leave us alone. And, and, and I love this picture because it's the grace given to you that God portions himself to us. And he recognizes our distinctiveness. And so you don't get, so a lot of people, this is the thing, Chad. I think a lot of people feel, uh, if I become part of a church, I, le I lose something of me. And you know what, in a sense, you do, because you've got to die to self. But I don't know what, what's really good for me. But when I die to self, it's almost like God resurrects that thing. It's okay, you've died, and it's not about you anymore. But now, this is the gift I'm putting in you to be a blessing to the body. And so, there's a sense of surrender, and, but, and, but there's still that, you don't lose that distinctiveness. And so, I want to say you rest in the fact that your security is in Jesus. And so, you become part of a bigger picture. Yes, you're a stone in the wall of many other stones that are unique. But this is what brings glory to God, and we've got to recognize that. Don't be insecure in God willing to shape you and mold you. Just We are not a conformity. We, we're not a church that wants to fit in with society. We, like Chad says, we're not just bricks. You don't come here. You know, if we wanted to be a just brick church, we would just have to make... Just another brick. Just another brick. <laughs> we don't need... No, no. So if we wanted to do that, we would say, come to church, listen to a good preach, hear the worship, go home. That's, to me, conformity. But we've got to harness what God has put within you because you are the church as much as us togetherness, you know, and how we do it. So we've got to bring out what's God saying to you? Well, how's God using you to become part of it? And, you know, it's, it's, quite, it's harder for us as elders to do this. It's a, it's a bigger job because um, our, it's so easy to, to fit in with a program that makes church easy. It's so easy to say, let's have a hymn and a thing and let's go home. And then we've served Jesus. But that's not the glory of Christ. So, so that actually reminds me of, of, a, of a funny image I had. And so I, 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 got, I found this little clip that I want to show you guys. And so, so I hope Noah's ready with it. Are we, are we ready with it? Okay, um, maybe. Uh, no, we can't turn lights. So, hey, we'll see it. Let's see if we can see it quickly. Can um, <laughs> you see there? Not, not really. What are you doing? Okay, What's just watch here.
Step three. Rock Jenga. All right. <laughs> I saw that clip in a movie, and I thought it's, it's so cool. I mean, you, you saw how small that stone was. And actually, earlier on in the movie, you see them building this wall. They're prisoners, and they part of is forced labor, and he's building this wall. And, and like he's standing around doing this, the, this, the smaller of the guy is standing around doing nothing. And there's the big chap, and he's picking up the heavy rocks and putting them in place. And I can check the frustration by the other guys. Like, aren't you going to do anything? And he takes this small rock and pops it in place kind of thing. And, and, and then in this scene here, you see how he just takes that small stone and the whole wall crumbles. Now, there are different ways you can read into that analogy, and it's not that you're holding the wall together, because <laughs> Jesus is. But what I saw in that is, yes, we're all locked in together, and that actually if one of us is removed, there, there can be a measure of, of things coming about. But actually if we remove church from our lives, I like this picture, if that's our life, is the wall is our life, and we take church from that, our lives are going to crumble. And so we're, we're grafted in together. We, we, we're holding each other in place in many regards. And so often we think no one will notice when I'm not there. And like, I, like no one will notice when I miss church. And I mean, to be honest, I've had that conversation with many guys. Yeah, we, might, we, might, we will notice that you're not there because we're family. But, it's, but if, you're, if you're absent from your family long enough, they're not, they might not, you, there's going to, there's going to be a dysfunction that's going to start to happen because you're important. So if a, in a, in a, in a, in a family unit where mom and dad and kids, you know, if, if dad, we, we see how when dad is not present in the family, how families grow up to a measure of a slant or if mom's not present, there's a bit of a slant. And so, you know, this thing of being grafted in together and there's, there is so much life in it. There's so much hope in it. There's so much truth in it. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to share because I wanted to go into maybe a little bit of practicals. What does that practically look like? So, so I did think, I mean, what does that practically look like to, to, to be a, a brick, in, well, a stone in the wall? Uh, yeah, my, my mind keeps going to that song, sorry. Don't listen to Pink Floyd. <laughs> But how, why, what, is, what is the practicals? And I think in order for that thing to be effective and practically actually worked out is, is actually you've got to be around. You've got to be present. Show up. <laughs> no, honestly, silence. You know, to be, I think we've developed a culture, and as Benny said earlier about living for ourselves, where we live for our own pleasures, we live for our own desires, we live for our weekends away. We, 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 we build our own kingdom. But God, if He's asking us to build His church, He's asking us to lock in together and build His kingdom. It means we've got to be around. We can't be doing that. A house can't be built if a stone's there, a stone's there, a stone's there. A stone. The stones have got to come together. And they've got to be locked in together. And, I, and so what I want to say is so often we fall into this place and, and we might know people. We might be that person. My point is not to, to bring you under condemnation, but it is to bring conviction through the power of the Holy Spirit that if, 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 if we're missing from gathering together, it's going to affect what God is wanting to do. If we adopt an attitude of, I'll go to church when I feel like it, or maybe, I mean, 
it's a great beach day. Let's go to the beach. And I've worked, all, I've worked hard all week. I deserve it. I deserve a break. You know, I deserve it. And, and yes, there is time for us to have rests and breaks. I, I'm not being legalist, but I think if our mindset is one of that every, every alternative week I'm away, I'm camping or I'm at the beach, and, I'll, and, we, and church fits into what suits us, we've missed the point. You can feel free to jump yeah, I in. Think, I think just as you're saying that, it, it kind of makes us see, am, am I here to be entertained? Am I here to just get versus I'm here to contribute? And it's a mindset change yes. that we've got to have. Yes. If I'm not here, there's a gift missing. Remember what I said, when Christ left, he, he apportioned himself, he gave gifts to men. So would you agree with me, if you're not here, there's a gift missing? Even though you don't feel like you're a gift, you are a gift. And I think just in line with that is that, that we got to, it's a, it's a mindset that we've got to constantly fight against church because you are the church and the uniqueness of Christ in you, working through you, you have a gift, you've got a part to play. And uh, that's the difference between coming to church and being the church, like I said earlier. It's almost like John the Baptist. Remember when, when he was baptizing them and he saw these Pharisees coming and he says, who, who told you to come here to be baptized? And he called them brood of vipers. And then he says, you know, you say to yourselves that you are of Abraham, like, uh, this is my heritage, I come, this, I'm Josh Jen, or I'm Enchia, or I'm Achies, whatever. It's almost like we do that. We say that I'm, I'm of that. And, and we, it's almost like the Pharisaical way of thinking, because we say, I am of Abraham. And, and you know what, John, I love these responses. So you think you're of Abraham. I can turn these, God can turn these stones to sons of Abraham. And actually, John the Baptist prophesied something. Actually, didn't I? Don't even know if he knew, but that's exactly what God did because we became living stones who became sons of Abraham. All those who believe became sons of Abraham. So the Pharisees thought they were in the house, but actually they weren't. And I think I want to say to you guys who aren't participating, who don't show up, the question is: You might be in Josh Jim, but are you in the household of Abraham? Is John the Baptist rebuking you and saying you think you're in the house? You think you're part of Joshin, or you think you're in the church. Actually, you know what? No, God's going to raise these stones if you're not going to be part of it. That's, that's hard stuff, but he was rebuking a people that were religious. They weren't irreligious. They weren't people that were, uh, uh, were giving into drunkenness and abauchery and living and sleeping around. These were holy guys in the sense of religion. They thought they were saved. They thought they were in the household of God. And, and to me, that, Chad, is more deceptive than those who live for the world, who, who blatantly sin, who blatantly... I think there's more of us who think we're part of the body. And it's almost like John the Baptist, this thing comes back to me, it's just, you brood of vipers. It's hard, it's harsh stuff, but it's a reality to that. So, show up. Be around. And you know, another thing, practically, what it does is like, and this is something that I think is a real problem is that guys are not prepared to journey for a long period of time with each other and to create history together. So we talk about time in the saddle. And uh, some of us are cyclists, some, some may be horse riders, but you know, the longer you sit in that saddle, your bum might get, sorry, your, your rear, <laughs> your posterior might get sore after a bit of time, but eventually you're going to get you're going to get used to that, and you're going to be able to sit in the saddle. So, I mean, so here's a question. How many churches have you been in your life, Benny? Four. Four. 
Okay, Four, but in the, no. it's been the last Four, twenty three, years. In three. the last, in the last twenty years. Two. One two. in Marcel Bay, Josh Jen, and then this one. Yeah, but outside of Josh Jen, maybe like another. Okay, so you've been in one church pretty much for the last twenty years. Most of my life, yeah. I, I've been in two churches my entire life. I have built history with people for twenty years. I've I've been journeying with people for twenty years, and yes. Uh, you know, I think it's important what church you, jo- you join. Make sure you join the right church. Cause you, and, and I think that is vital. And, and so, so the only way we can, and that's what family is about, is when you, when you build together. You know, I show up, but I'm building together. And, and I have friends in other countries, in other towns. My children have friends. Some of their best friends are in other towns. But because we've been together in the same congregations, we've been in Josh Jen. They, when I say other towns, Josh Jen, Oatsun, Josh Jen, Musenberg, uh, Tableview, Edgemead, wherever it might be, we're still one body, Josh Jen. But we've been together for a long time. And so often, you know, guys come for a while, um, stick around for a year, and then go, hmm, okay, that was great. Let's go to the next church. Our season's up. I don't, the only reason I believe that you should leave the church that you're in is because there's sin in the leadership and it's not been dealt with. And, uh, and to be honest, who, who's to, and because there's an abusive, it's an abusive kind of relationship. But so often guys leave churches because uh, it didn't really suit me anymore. Or I didn't like the worship. Or, or, or no, the kids, they, they, don't, they don't have a kids ministry. Or they don't have a youth. And so we join churches or we hop around until we find the right thing that suits us. I'm all for people moving into a town and just exploring. Like We need to find the right church. But it is key that we find the right church. That we find the right family. A church that believes that firstly Jesus is the risen son of God. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Trinity. We believe in the works of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the fruits of the... We believe that the Holy Spirit is working and it's moving amongst us still to this day. That the gifts weren't just for the disciples. That the gifts are for today as well. And some people don't believe that. And so you need to know that. So if, if you've been visiting and you... That we, we're going to hit the crossroads at some point that we can't journey together. So you need to know very quickly early in the game that this is the church that I that God has called me to because I'm going to build with them. Because if it comes to a point where you suddenly see and, and, and that they don't, oh, I'm not going to, I mean, it's, that's why it is important. I mean, we have a membership course that we encourage our visitors after a while, after having checked us out, to do and to see and to have conversations with us as elders and to ask those questions. Because you're going to pick up stuff here on a Sunday and in a Wednesday that might go, oh, I don't understand that. What, what do they believe about healing? What do they? And so sometimes there are deal breakers. You know what a deal breaker is? It's like uh, so bad that you actually, no, no their, their, their theology is so whack. I can't be part of that in any way. But sometimes there are things that we differ slightly on, and, some, you know, and that's okay. They're not deal breakers. And, and, then, and then we go, we can, yeah, I can see why you say, I believe, but, but actually we're still going forward. That's where the different stones sometimes sometimes comes into play. But I, I really believe that thing of time in the saddle together, showing up, spending time together, that's how you're going you're gonna to build. You can't just come to church on a Sunday and think that, that that's enough. And to be honest, even just a Wednesday might not be enough. I shared earlier about opening your home. That's where you're going to 
get slotted in. That thing is so important that we, and, and I believe that's what Jesus is calling us to. And that's the type of church that he's called here. And, and many people go, I don't like that. Well, again, comes the, my statement, like I said earlier, if this is not the church for you, then maybe you need to find a church that is for you. And I'm okay with that because I'm not in the numbers game. I'm in the hearts game. Because God has called us to knit hearts together. We don't have to see eye to eye always on everything. But that our hearts knit and that we have a one heart, one mind, one purpose, unity. I shared two weeks ago about a life worthy of our calling. You know, being patient, being humble, being, pe- being gentle. But why? Being, un- being unified, brotherly love, having that thing in common. You know, Daniel and I don't always agree on everything. <laughs> Can I share what we don't agree with on? <laughs> we don't have the same opinion about Christmas. And that's okay, but it's not a deal breaker. Dan, Dan has a different perspective on celebrating Christmas to me, and we've had a lovely conversation about it. But we still love each other, and, we, and he's a deacon in this congregation. Does, it's okay. It's not a deal breaker. Yeah. So I think Paul, like that scripture that you're sharing in Ephesians 4, it talks about, like you're saying, we, we saved into one body, one hope, one baptism. And, and, and then it talks about the uniqueness. And I think we've got to allow room because you guys, we're not perfect people. So you're never going to find the perfect church. You know that saying. But the thing is, you're unique, but it's made up of individuals who are not perfect. And, uh, you know, this is the key. I think the Bible, well, I, I know the Bible says, in, I think it's in 2 Timothy, I can't remember exactly, where it says in the last days, people will become lovers of themselves. And, and it also says that in the last days, many will be offended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be lovers of ourselves. But, but then it says this, it says many will be offended. Now, that's not talking about outside. That's talking about the church. So when people jump from church to church because of offense, you're part of that scripture, what that scripture is talking about. And so if your theology, like I say, you're not going to, there's going to be certain deal breakers that Chad's shared. What keeps me together with Daniel? Is Christmas going to be the thing that divides me from Daniel? I've got, I've got to look at it practically. No, man, he's my brother. I see a whole lot more to our relationship than Christmas. And if I'm going to hold everything under the grid of Christmas, I'm not doing what Paul says, endeavor to keep the unity. I've got, it's a striving, it's a fighting to keep the unity. You know why? Because you guys are so different to me. I would never hang around with this group of people in the normal sense. Because, no, it's just the way. You, you like to surf, you like to go jogging up in the mountain. That's not my cup of tea. But he's my brother. So what do you like to do, Benny? <laughs> I've just joined the fishing club now. <laughs> Where's Paul? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As well. At Quinton. There's a few guys here. So I'm trying to make a way in which I can still connect with my brothers and uh, hopefully catch fish in the process. <laughs> you catch the souls as well. Yeah, catch souls too. We'll, we'll do that. So, I mean, that's great. I mean, I think the thing of what are our priorities as well. You know, so often, I mean, like honestly, and, and sometimes guys get into this place of putting other things more important than the family. And, and, and this needs to be said, because yes, there are things, and at times, and this is where accountability and, and transparency with one another is important, but often what happens, guys will organize other things when there's a family gathering. So, so the, the, the camp that's coming up in March, 
already, I mean, I know there's some guys had previous engagements, and I'm, I'm a believer of our word being our word, but still, even in that, one or two of the guys said, look, we've organized something, uh, but we're going to try and work around it. If your heart is not to try and change things that you can be, but if you are stubborn and arrogant, sorry, stubborn and obstinate, not arrogant, because that's stubborn and obstinate in a, in a point that I'm not going to change. I have planned a date, and it's, and it's immovable because now there's something happening. I, I get a bit nervous when I say, we need to be flexible sometimes in the things of God. So uh, say you've organized to go camping next weekend, and all of a sudden, the Apostle Paul is coming into town. Are you going to still go camping? No ways. I'm canceling my camping. The Apostle Paul is in town. And so we have modern-day apostolic men. And so I devote myself to that. Like, I've got something on. And to be honest, family, my family knows. My parents know. My parents know. That, and my in-laws know that you guys are more important than them. At times, I got it. There's a balance in that. There's a, there is a balance. So, classic example: my mother-in-law would never fly into when we lived in Cape Town. She would never plan a trip that she was flying in, flying out. She often would come and visit us over weekends, actually, and she'd fly in on a Friday and she'd fly out on a Sunday. And I often had to say to her mom, I said, "If you're flying in, if you're flying out on a Sunday, please book your flight so it's not going to pull me out of church, us out of church." Or we'll get, we'll get an Uber for you, because I, I can't take you to the airport. How many of you would be, think that's offensive, that I can't take my own mother to the airport or go and fetch my own mother from the airport? She knew that church was important. And so often what happens is we family kind of trump this family. Our, our blood family seemingly trump this family, and I don't think that's right. I think we've missed something. When we suddenly start to, and hear the truth in this, because I know this is going to be contentious. Jesus spoke about that, right? I'm not going to go down there right now. But I think when it becomes the norm, look, there, there are extenuating circumstances, and we, we need, I mean, we can't be legalistic about it. Yeah. But I think if it's the norm that whenever a family comes, you disappear and don't come to church, question mark. If, if ever you've got a friend in town, because a lot of us have friends in town often, because <laughs> we're the holiday destination of South Africa, <laughs> and we're hosting people, and we've got people needing a place to stay, and I can't come to church because, and so we miss community on a Wednesday night because they're friends I haven't seen forever. <laughs> Tell your friends who you haven't seen forever, come on Thursday, come on Friday, or come with me to community. Come and meet my family. But don't be of the opinion that, you know what, I haven't seen this person forever. And they're coming on Wednesday night, and we've organized a lack of braai song. Organized braai's on other nights. Because community night, it's family night. Come on. Yeah, he loves it. Sunday is family time. Don't organize things on Sunday. This is family time. You know, if it's the family's flying down, and again, I say there are sometimes extenuating circumstances, and so this is where conversations need to happen. Yeah. We need to, hey, yes, I mean, I, I've had often had many conversations with guys where they go, oh, this and this and this, I say, okay, can I drop this one for you? Oh, I never thought about that. 
And I said, man, remember that. And actually, so, you know, the, the reality is, you know, there's a saying, absence makes the heart grow fonder. You read that saying? I don't, it's true in one way. For me, absence, I, I've coined a phrase, absence makes the heart grow harder. Absence makes the heart grow harder. I have seen time and time again that when we are missing in action, for whatever reason, because life is busy, I'm tired, I've had a hard day, I work hard, I've got, but when that becomes the norm, our hearts start to drift. And, and, and you know what happens? The first sign that you know your heart is drifted is when, if you're hearing me through the good of Chad's telling us we can't miss church or community. If that's how you're hearing me now, you've actually, your, your heart has already drifted because our hearts need to be in a place where actually, you know what, I don't want to miss church or the gathering of the saints for anything, no matter what. I plan my, holiday, my, fa my family holidays around church. Church is, is the big block. It's the priority. Jesus does say that. Because remember when it was Mary and uh, who was it, John? came and they, they wanted to meet Jesus and while he was busy preaching and he says, who is my mother? When they said your mother and then want to see you, he says, but who is my mother, my brother? And then he looks at the guys and he says, you, you are my mother, my brother. And then he says, this is that, um, uh, you know, that, that w w what's the word he used? Um, yeah, those who do the will of the Father. But it also talks about my, my mother, my brother, all of that is you. It's, it, so in other words, Jesus had a a bigger view of, of, of the kingdom, really, uh, that this biological family, as important as it is, it's not the imp most important. The spiritual family was more important. And so it's really, it's that thing of value. And like Chad said, there is a measure of grace. I mean, uh, even, even let me, let's be transparent. So last Sunday, we had an eldest time the weekend away. And, uh, and Sunday, would it probably be more ideal that we connected with churches? And I said to Chad, look, uh, we've got to go to her brother. And Chad's like, but, but you need to, you know, you're not going to, aren't you going to church? You know, you must plug in. And actually, I said, but we haven't actually been, you know, we haven't been off for a long time. So, but there was grace. I mean, Chad gave grace. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I, I, I know you, you haven't taken off. I forgot. It slipped my mind. And we took off. But, but you hear what I'm saying? There was grace in that, because he knew our situation, and, and, and just over that season. And even in that, I, I mean, you even said to me, in hindsight, yes. you, you felt maybe we should have actually visited, yes. because we would have connected and built with, with other guys. guys. Yeah. So I saw, I, so this is the thing, sides, I so. could have been offended at that moment with Chad, thinking, flip, you guys have been on holiday, I haven't been for a while, you know, that could have been my mindset. But you know what, no, I'm, I'm being serious here, because it's real, but you know, I look deeper into this man's heart. And I thought, you know what? He sees the value that I can add in another congregation. And he knows that I can be an, a, an input. Not because, it's just I can contribute. And, 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 and I can be a blessing there. And that's what this man saw. So I had to look deeper than my own grid. And so you guys are all going to have grids when it comes to being discipled. And being, we're going to say things, and you've got to get past that grid. Like, I had to get past that grid to see into this man's heart. We've got to look deeper into people's hearts. What's the real intention? Not what you think might be behind. What is the intention? And if you don't get it, you go and talk to her. So if I didn't get this thing obviously worked out, I would have gone to Chad. So what do you mean? Did, you know, what did you mean by that? We would have had a good discussion, and I probably would have heard what was in his heart later. And the challenge is, if he had walked away offended and held that in his heart... 
his heart would have drifted. And he would have, and he would have like, oh, but Chad's legalistic controlling. He's telling me what to do. He's telling me how to live my life. And that wasn't my heart in that moment. And so we had a conversation quickly. <laughs> Short, Short accounts. accounts yeah. Short accounts. And so we need to do that. We can't be walking away going, no, you oaks have lost the plot. We need to have conversations. We need to have conversations. So the final thing about what does that look like for me in terms of being part of a living stone, because we're going on a while here. So just recap the first one is showing up, priorities, time in the saddle. And the last one, I think, is, is be prepared to be uncomfortable. <laughs> if you're getting comfortable in this congregation, then there's something wrong. Then, you, then there's something wrong. <laughs> you are called to abide with us, belong with us, and contribute and be developed. The ABCDs, I love it. Monet put the ABCDs together. Abide, belong, contribute, and develop. If you're not growing, if you're not contributing in some way, whether it be with the kids' ministry, whether it be with sound, AV, whether it be pulling a bunch of people to pray in your home, you don't need permission to pray. Can I, you, you, you got it already. Jesus gave us permission. He asked us. So often guys say, oh, I want to start a prayer group or something like, no, no, no. You don't need to, you know, just pull a bunch of friends and pray. Invite people. I mean, I love a couple of guys, they worship together. In one, I think in, it was Pietrus' home. He didn't ask my permission, can I get a bunch of guys to worship together? All they did was, guys, we want to worship. We want to worship. Come, come to my house. Come to my house. Come, let's just worship. Let's break bread together. Let's, let's just pray together. I mean, Audrey, she didn't ask my permission to... <laughs> Say it, not spread. She didn't ask my permission to have a prayer meeting tomorrow night with some of the, the, the single ladies. She's a saint. She's actually a deacon with us. And her heart is to connect and to build and to be a prayer warrior. And so, and some of the guys I know are praying for the lost as well, getting together. That, that, we don't need permission to pray. We don't need permission to do that as long as we're doing it. As long as we're doing it. Are we, are we contributing? Are we? So don't get comfortable. If you're feeling stretched this morning, good. Uh, I, I heard, um, I mean, he, he will, he's not here. And, and again, I said, well, he came to me and said, hey, we wanted to go away this weekend. I haven't had off the whole December. Of course you can go away, bro. You see, Paul and Lucille. Paul works. He worked the whole December, didn't have any leave. It's the first gap they're getting as a family this weekend. I said, I'm so glad you're getting away. You see the heart there? Not to control. So hard. And he said, I think he was sharing with, with uh, you, Sean. He's talking about how him and I used to clash a little bit. Well, not clash. I used to challenge him. <laughs> he said he was sharing with you how I was challenging him. And, and, I, and, and I know he always says that to anyone he meets. He says, yeah, if you meet Chad, you're going to get challenged and stretched. I said, yes, I will challenge you and I will stretch you. Why? Why? Because I see more in you. I see more in you. I'm not trying to build my kingdom. I see more in you. I want to see you building God's kingdom. I, I tell you, I, I love it. Yeah, do you want to add there quickly? Oh. I just think his value in what you're saying. Because we, we, I've seen even our, our church here, there's been guys that have had a need to go away. And actually, the church has blessed them and said, go. We, yeah. we, we identify, you do need to go. So we don't just, it's not about asking permission. It's actually seeing where you guys are spiritually. Actually, you guys need it. So, you know, it's, it's the fact that the grace of God is, is to, to get you to a place where you're more in God, that your marriages are better. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's really about 
where God's taking you on that personal journey, but also that collective journey. Yeah. So I think we've covered quite a bit, eh? I hope it's dropped into your hearts. I hope that if there have been filters of how you've perceived things or how you've even done things or that, that maybe we've caused you to see it a little bit differently. Um, I'm trusting that even as you, as you dwell on Scripture, and I would go and read that Scripture again because I must be honest, there's, we, we only touched on it briefly, and I know we maybe haven't done it even justice, but don't get caught up in that. I know so often we, we get caught up in a place like we need to, we need to teach like almost systematically, you know, we, Jesus gave life skills to people as well. And we need those things. We need to be developed as people, as individuals, young and old. Young and old. There's not one of us is over the hill. Not one of us is too old to learn or it's too late to learn. Can we say, is, I mean, I love, and, and maybe even on that, that note, just because it always just reminds me of my parents, I, I do need to just say something. I meant to do it a little bit earlier. But two weeks ago, I shared uh, a story about my mom. You guys remember. And, and I didn't want to dishonor her in that moment. And if I did, I want to apologize. If in any way I... Exp- and I actually, I had, to, I had to have a conversation with my mom afterwards because I felt that that story that I shared exposed her, exposed something that happened only once and might have put her in a bit of a bad light. And I don't ever... That's, that's never my heart. So if... If, and I don't want you guys, when my mom comes, to look at her and see her in that kind of light either. That, that was not my intention. So if that did happen, I want to just affirm that, that it was a, a once-off incident that happened when I was a young man where she lost her cool with me. She was not an abusive mother. She was not, she, it, it was a once-off incident kind of thing. Where, for those who missed it, she smacked me in the jaw and popped my jaw out. It was a once-off inf- incident. And I had, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had pushed her over the edge. I was a rebellious, arrogant, obstinate teacher. And so, so when it came up this week, because we got home and the kids mentioned it and something else, another incident had happened. And I actually, um, no, 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 you had mentioned it to me uh, when we got home after the service. And I, and I actually realized that I, I never want to dishonor my mother. She's an amazing woman. Um, and I actually went to her this week, and I, and I let her know, and I gave her the context, and, and I asked her forgiveness as well, because I said, Mom, my, my, my heart was not to dishonor you in that moment. You guys are incredible, incredible parents. So I, I just did want to clarify that. that. So, if, so please, like, when you, uh, like, and, and to be honest, it is, a, it is a sore point in her. I mean, she, like I said, she has repented and come to me. But, you know, sometimes the things that we do, they hang with us. And, 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 some, and, I, and so my point is, Teaching an old dog new tricks. My mom is 70 years old, thereabouts. Hey, where is she now? I can't remember. But I tell you what, I have watched both my mom and dad, dad 76, mom 70, how they, as an older generation, have allowed Jesus to change them. And even as their young sons have come through the ranks, and actually the opportunities where I teach my mom, where she used to teach me, I teach my dad, where he used to instruct me. And so age is not a, not a thing. Sometimes these lighties, yeah? Okay, they're gone. Where's, where's the lighties now? We can learn stuff from these youngsters. Don't be above being encouraged or even shown something by a youngster. Part of the body. That's why we, we love having our youngsters in the, in the back and been building them 
and in, in putting, installing values into them and our youth, our junior youth and our youth. And then our, 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 our school leavers, like Timmy and Michaela this year, who have gone to, sorry, sorry, Timmy, Benji and Michaela, who have gone to TMT, um, Bryden, who is is, is working. You know, and, and I tell you what, I'm loving the fact that he's actually around with us. We're missing Benji, we're missing Michaela, but so lucky just, just to see you stepping up into more. And I know this year is going to be an incredible year where God's going to just use you more. I know just even hearing from your dad about how God is just using you to bring a breath of fresh air into the workplace. There's a, I've said it, I mean, yeah, there is a calling on your life and more. And so, so just for, for you youngsters, don't underestimate what God's going to do in and through you. For you, Really. I think what Steve and Alicia and um, Jenna are doing on a Friday night, Murray, when he's around. <laughs> Sorry, I was naughty. He's, on, he's, he's with his parents. He's coming back soon. We miss him dearly. <laughs> he's, he's a student, and students live different lives. Eh? Flores, where are you? But you're gonna have to, I think we're going to have to teach him something. Eh? <laughs> These students. <laughs> but that's what family is about, having... Like everyone at different levels, different age. And even, like if I may just end on this, I just felt even something, Brian and Colleen, I met you guys this evening, this morning just now, and I just felt even something of you folk, just uh, the, the, the Lord's hand on your life. There's, a, there's something on your life beautiful. And, and I am so blessed to see a couple like you. And, and if God is adding you to us, I think there is a lot that he has in store for you. Don't slip into the mindset, if I may, of retirement, because that is what you do to cars. You retire a car. You go to Paul at Palm Tires, and you, put on, you retire it. I believe and trust that God's going to refire you into the more. Even in your age, I, 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 I think you said to me you're 70 years old. God is going to use you mightily. And so I, I really believe that. And, I, and so are trusting that, that as you continue, I mean, God's going to teach you and grow you as well, but I'm excited for what we're going to learn from you guys. If he adds you to us, well, wherever you go, I think people will be blessed because of what you have to give. So, so, so yeah, I don't know if you want to sort of bring it to land, Benny. Yeah, so it's a, it's a big process and uh, we can't do any of this without the Holy Spirit. Um, he's the one who unifies us. He's the one that brings us together. He's the one that enables us to be brothers and sisters in the house of God. And, and so maybe let's just stand and let's just pray to the Lord that as he builds us, as he builds this house, that uh, he would do according to his plans. And Father, we want to just commit this house, this local congregation here in George, Josh Jen, and the people that you have added to this house. Lord, we thank you for each unique stone these are living stones, precious in the sight of the Lord, precious because you have redeemed them, Lord. You are the one who's called them out of darkness into the marvelous light. And Lord, you have just not just left them as stones, but you've placed them in your building. And you have said, what kind of house can you build me? And Lord, there's a sense of which you, you are the actual master builder. You're the, ones that, you're the one that's building this house. And we are just co-laborers with you, as according to Scripture. But I want to pray this, this, this morning that every person here will be built first on the foundation of Jesus. Lord, that they would have a revelation of you, Lord, and only you. And, and it's from that place that as they 
they find themselves on the foundation of Jesus, they begin to build with us as a, as a congregation. Lord, that they begin to build with accountability that we've been speaking of, that they begin to build with discipling one another, with keeping short accounts with one another, that all the practicality of what it means to be in this house would be lived out, that the world would know that we are your disciples, that we have love for one another, one of the true reflections that this is your beautiful bride to which you're coming back. And Lord, we want to be a true representative of that bride. Lord, we want to be a bride without spot or blemish. And so, Father, we pray, we pray that your Holy Spirit would do this, Lord, because we know even as an eldership, we can't do this, even as Josh Jen, but Lord, we trust in your Holy Spirit to build this house. And Lord, that your glory would be known through us in Jesus' name. Amen.